0: Good morning. If you don't know who I am, my name is Pastor John. I'm the associate pastor here at East Shore Baptist Church. And on a normal Sunday morning, you'd be hearing from me now. So I encourage you to be here next week when we continue our study through the book of Joshua. Next week, we'll be talking about Joshua 3 and 4. Looking forward to that. Today, though, is a special day. We are celebrating our 50th anniversary as a church. And because it's a special occasion, a special celebration, we're going to have a special guest speaker. So our uh, preacher, the one delivering the message this morning, will be Dr. Barry Whitworth. He is the Executive Director-Treasurer of the Baptist Resource Network of Pennsylvania-South Jersey, and I think I got the legal name correct there, Barry. (laughs) Barry is a good friend of of East Shore. He's been very supportive of our work here, and we've been trying to support what he does through the state convention. He's very passionate about communicating the importance of healthy churches, missional engagement, and leadership development in our state, and we really appreciate those emphases. So, without further ado, I'd like to invite Dr. Barry Whitworth to share God's word with us this morning. Let's give him a welcome.
1: Well, good morning, church. It is good to be with you today. Is this thing on? No, yes, it is? Okay. I can't ever tell up here. So, Well, happy anniversary. Fifty years. That's a long time. Right? Can you think of all that's happened in 50 years of your life? Some of you can't, but some of you can. (laughs) But it is a great time to celebrate. It's a time to celebrate because not every church reaches 50 years old. Not every church is able to do this. They say now the average uh, lifespan of a church in America is 82 years and declining. So you still got a little ways to go, but if it keeps declining, you may catch up to it soon. But my hope is every church will live until Jesus comes. Amen. It will be a vibrant force in the community that God has placed them to be a force for the gospel. Well, John, I hope I'm not stealing a little bit of your thunder. And I haven't been peeking online and I didn't ask anybody any questions, but we're going to be in Joshua 3 today. (laughs) We'll, we'll give that credit to the Holy Spirit, or okay, is that is that good? Okay, just checking, man. But uh, yeah, we're gonna be in Joshua three. It's, this is a time of transition in the uh, the nation of Israel, as they had spent what forty years wandering in the wilderness, mainly wandering because why they were disobedient to God. They didn't, 40 years earlier, just follow what God wanted them to do at that time and go into the land that he had promised to give them, that he promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob before them. And uh, because of their disobedience, they spent 40 years in 40 different camps, wandering throughout the wilderness until they come up to this point. What I want to share today is, is to get you thinking about, uh, it's my understanding we're going to eat after this, right? Right? So so that's the party for the 50th. So we're going to party for 50 years after the service this morning, okay? And we're going to do what good Christians and, as they say, good Baptists do. We're going to eat, and maybe there's chicken there. I don't know. <laughs> but today I want us to look at this passage thinking about some things. When you come to a point to where it's a time to pause to celebrate But also remember, kind of like we're going to do here at the end of the service, we're going to remember what the Lord has done for us when he died on the cross and rose from the grave by giving himself to be that substitutionary atonement for our sins. So we're going to remember, but we're also going to do what? Celebrate. Why? We sang it this morning. One day he's coming back, riding on a stallion, He's coming back for his church, and we can celebrate because if we don't see that day, we're going to see him before that day, and that's a cause for celebration. Well, when you come to a time like this, it's both. It's a time to remember, but but it's a time also to celebrate, and in celebration, sometimes you'll naturally begin to think, what's next? I remember when I turned 50. What a day that was. I remember the next day getting up thinking, what's next? I couldn't celebrate 50 anymore. 51 now was the reality. So you can't stay where you are and move on. You actually got to move with how God is shaping and working in your life at the time. Henry Blackaby said this once, you can't stay where you are and go with God. God. Remember reading that if you studied experiencing God, knowing and doing the will of God? So here you are, 50 years old. A lot of people have been saved in 50 years. Some might say amen, clap, whatever. A lot of people have been saved in 50 years. Amen? Their lives have been changed for all eternity because of the ministry of this church. Praise God. Some churches have been started Ministries have happened. Mission teams have gone places. The gospel's been spread around the world through the testimony of you, the people of East Shore Church. Praise God for that. But you can't just live on that. Because 50 years ago, when East Shore was started, it was started in a predominantly Christian culture. Now you're in a post Christian culture, the field has changed. The game gets a little tougher. It's a little more challenging sometimes in the gospel presentations. The time commitment to share the gospel is longer. So can't expect that everything we did in the first 50 years is going to work in the second 50 years. We're going to have to go to a place perhaps we haven't been before and do things we haven't done before in order to reach a new generation for Christ. And it's going to take all the people within the body to get there. Some can't stay on one side while the others go. That won't work. So when we look at this passage today, I want you to see this. God's promises normally show up on the other side of the river. God's promises normally show up on the other side of the river. And today I want to talk about the Jordan River crossing because I think it's significant for Christ followers today. See, once we cross the river, his promises become reality and the reality will surpass human expectations. I wish, and maybe somebody is here that's a charter member of the church 50 years ago. Is somebody in here like that? Is there one? There's one. Is what God did in 50 years did that ex- surpass your expectations? When you were thinking when it all started, do you think it would come to this one day? You see, when we when we go with God, when we cross where he wants us to be, that will surpass many times our expectations so let me ask you have you ever had personally a Jordan River experience have you how about your salvation didn't God ask you to cross over didn't God ask you to move from where you are and to go where he is didn't he ask you to surrender your life and give your life to him If that's happened in your life, that was a Jordan River experience. Because you cross over to where the promise of God was for your salvation. You see, God's people at the time of Moses' death, when you look at Joshua 1 and 2, they had to make a decision about where they were as it related to fulfilling the promise that God had for his people. If they had stayed where they had always been, in the wilderness and they didn't follow where God was going in the future, several things would have happened. As I said earlier, 40 years prior, God wanted to give his people his promise. But as we know the story, Moses sent how many spies into the promised land? How many? Twelve. How many came back and gave a positive report? Two. Who did the people basically say we wanted to go along with? We, we respect their opinion. The two or the ten? Because they went with the ten, they disobeyed God. Because God had get, wanted to give him his, their, his best for them. He wanted to give them a land that was full of everything that we need and a land that would be secure for them. But they didn't do it. And they wandered for 40 years on the road of misery, and for most all, extinction. By the time they get up to where we're at today, it's a new generation. Because the ones who rebelled, they died in the wilderness. And now here they are, they're on the threshold once again of embracing an opportunity of going where God wanted to take them into the future. And what they're about to do next would tell everything about what they believed about God. You see, where God wants to take you next, personally and as a church, and what you do with that understanding will tell you everything about what you believe about God. Let me say that again. Where God wants to take you next, and what you do with that understanding, will tell you everything about what you believe about God. You see, a Jordan River experience, this Jordan River experience was a test to see if God's people would fully trust him. And when you look at chapter 1, God is encouraging who? Joshua. He's saying do what? Be strong and courageous. Moses is dead. You're the leader now. Be strong and courageous. I'm going to take you and the people to the place that I promised and Moses told you would be, in your, would be your inheritance. There are many times in our lives as individuals and as a church that God wants us to have a Jordan River experience because seasons of life come and go. And life can become meaningless and have no value without embracing and following what God has for us next. But if we don't cross over, if we're rebellious, that could lead us to a state of ineptness in the abandonment of God's blessing and provisions upon your life and upon a church. I'm here today to celebrate with you, but I'm also here today to motivate and encourage you. You can't live off the past 50. You've got to build what God has for the next 50. And some of that is going to call for sacrifice of people who've been a part of the original journey to let go and let God do some amazing things that you've never seen him do before, that he's needing to do today, tomorrow, and in the future if he tarries. You see, when God wants us to go with him, he's always going to lead us to a place where we have to experience similar things as, as people of God always have experienced. And in this case, as God led the nation of Israel across the Jordan River. So Joshua 3, let's look at the Jordan River experience. There's some things here that we must understand in order to have an an experience in crossing our own Jordan. So let me give you four things today. The first one is this. We need to cross with confidence. Confidence. Look at the scripture, Joshua 3, verses 1 through 4. Joshua started early the next morning, and he left Achaia Grove with all the Israelites. They went as far as the Jordan and stayed there before crossing. And after three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God carried by the Levitical priests, you are to break camp and follow it. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between yourselves and the ark. Don't go near it so that you can see the way to go, for you haven't traveled this way before. So you see in these four verses here that they're going to need to cross with confidence. Because what they're looking at is a 156-mile river. That started at the foothills, if you may, of Mount Hermon, where the snow melts and the runoff forms and forges into the Jordan River, all the little streams into the Jordan River. And we're going to read in just a little bit. It's harvest time, the scripture will say. So it's a time where most of the water is at its highest point. And as it's raging down through this 156-mile river, it's probably more than 10 feet deep in places. So what they're looking at is this raging river coming down before them that is perhaps 100 feet wide, 10 feet in some places, and they're looking at the, the challenge of crossing that river. Now, what would your confidence look like as you're now 50 years old and you look at 51 if you saw the, ra- the raging in front of you? You saw the obstacle in front of you? You saw the challenge before you, but yet you need to know you need to go there. Something was about to radically change for them. Because Joshua said in verse 3, what I want you to do is to break camp and follow the Ark of the Covenant. Now, let's just be honest here. If you're standing at a river that's raging, that's 100 feet wide and 10 feet deep, and your leader says, break camp, when that ark goes, we're going. What's your first thought? I'm not the first guy going. That would be one of my thoughts. I'm not going. I'm not taking my kids through that. There's no way, man, that'll kill me. I can't do that. You're right. There's a lot of things before us we can't do. One of the problems of today's church in America is we think we can do a lot of things ourselves. Because in our culture, in the land that we live, there's not hardly anything that we haven't figured out that we can do. But in God's world, the way God operates, the way he does things, he wants to do the impossible so that he can be shown and not us. You see, in order for the Israelites to get where God wanted them to go, they had to have a sense of confidence that our God will. And when God says go, you've got to break camp. And you got to be willing to follow him no matter what the circumstance is. You remember what the angel told Mary when she said, I'm going to have a baby? How can this be? What did the angel say to her? Nothing is impossible with God. Church, I want to I challenge you with this. The raging waters are going to be in front of you in your future. You're going to have naysayers that says you can't. You're going to have people that will doubt. But it's going to take a people and leadership that will say we can, because if God's wanting us to move forward, nothing is impossible with our God. And you see this in Scripture. Three days, Joshua said, get ready. We're going across that river. And when we go across that river, one of the things you're going to need to do, you're going to need to stay a thousand yards away from the Ark of the Covenant. What was the Ark of the Covenant? It was the presence of God amongst his people. The Ten Commandments were in the Ark. Aaron's rod or Moses' staff, whatever you want, it was in there. That was the presence of God amongst his people. And it's really interesting that Joshua said, keep a thousand yards away from it. You know why I think he wanted them to keep a thousand yards away from it? First of all, God is holy, and we just can't get that close to him in our unholiness, our uncleanliness. But I think another thing that was happening here was, in order for the people to keep their eyes on the ark... They wouldn't necessarily look to see what the obstacle was. And many times, that's what we need to do. We don't need to be looking at the obstacles, the raging river. We need to be looking at God and keep our eyes and our focus on him as he determines to build up our confidence to go with him because he's about to do something exciting and extraordinary Next in our lives. When's the last time you placed total confidence in God? Think about that. When you asked God to do something that looked impossible or uncomfortable, but you did it anyway so that you would be totally obedient to Him. When was the last time? Why is it sometimes we lack confidence? Trust. You see, if we don't trust God, we won't place our confidence in God. Faith comes before trust. Hebrews 11.1 one says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. How many of you think in that, in that crowd of two million plus thought, we're going to get to the other side of the river? <laughs> Very few probably. Joshua knew, because you're going to see later on, he's going to tell them that the water's going to stand up like a mass. How in the world would Joshua know that the water would stand up like a mass? It would stop. Where was Joshua when the Red Sea was parted? He was there. And Joshua had confidence. First of all, he had confidence in God, because he saw what God had had done throughout history, throughout the nation of Israel. He saw how God was faithful to his people. So he had trust. He had faith that God could and that God would. So you see, in order to have a Jordan River experience, the first thing you have to do is you got to cross with confidence. And I hope today your confidence is high in God. Your confidence is high in your relationship that you have with God through Jesus Christ. Because if it's not, that says everything that you believe about God. It says everything that God wants to do in and through your life or could do through your life next. So I want to challenge you today if your confidence is low in God, ask Him why and find out how He can build up your trust. Your faith in him again. Sometimes circumstances and situations that happen around around us, they just tear down our confidence in God. That will happen in a fallen world. That will even happen in the life of a body of a church. We're not all perfect. We're not all there yet. But you know what? What happens to others shouldn't determine my own confidence and my own trust in God. And what God needed in his people, what Joshua, I believe, was banking on was just trust God. When you see that art move, break camp and follow it. Because God's going to do something amazing. The second thing we see in this passage is we need to cross with consecration. Cross with consecration. Verses 5 and 6, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves Because the Lord will do wonders among you tomorrow. Then he said to to the priests, carry the Ark of the Covenant and go on ahead of the people. So they carried the Ark of the Covenant and they went ahead of them. What is consecration? Well, consecration is separating ourselves from unclean or unholy things. It means renouncing and repenting from anything that contaminates one relationship with God. So there was this dynamic that was going on here. While two spies were sent into the land to go into Jericho and spy it out, Joshua was telling the people, they're, they're going to be gone three days. We got three days. We want you to consecrate yourself. We want you to dedicate yourself. We want you to clean yourself up. Get ready for the holiness and the work of God because God's about to do a wonder. Among you, that's what it says: Consecrate yourselves because the Lord will do wonders among you. How many of you want to see the wonder of the Lord today? Let's just be honest. No, just raise your hand. be honest. How many of you want to see the wonder of the Lord today? I had this moment about a week ago. A pastor friend that I know is just as credible as credible as credible can be. It was just over in India, and he told me he came back broken and hurting because he's dealing with all this dynamics in his flock, the church that he shepherds. And he got this problem and this problem. And this isn't a small church. This is a big church here in our area. And he goes to India. And he said, Barry, if you could see what God is doing in a place like India, it would blow your mind. And he said, it is so exciting. He said, the wonder in the all of God I said, well, tell me about that. He said, Barry, I've never never had this happen around me. He said, there was this blind woman. And I went up and put my hands on her head. And I asked her, do you have faith in Jesus Christ? She said, yes. And he said, he asked her several questions. He said, do you believe Jesus could give you sight? She said, yes, he can. And he prayed over her. And then he said, Barry, she opened her eyes and she could see for the first time in her 42-year-old life. Now we here in the church in America, that doesn't happen anymore. The Holy Spirit is blowing and going in other parts of the world. Because the wonder and the awe of God is showing up. People are expecting God to show up are we expecting God to show up are we expecting him to say stop water now go you get where you go when that's done I'll tell it to start again do we believe God can do that today we gotta get that back And we've got to be in a place as God's people where we're ready to receive what God wants to give to us next. And we can't do that if we've got hidden vices, sin tucked away in our hearts and in our lives. Behind the scenes, we play this, but when we get before the religious crowd, we're a different this. Because God knows that doesn't jive with Him, that's sick. That's disgusting. And Joshua knew as a leader now of God's people, he saw it. You can't take unholiness. You can't take the unclean when God's on the move. Because God's not going to have any part of that. If you're going to follow God, you follow God with a clean heart. My challenge to you as a church would be this. As you step into the next 50, go with a clean heart. Examine yourself personally. Examine yourself as a body and ask, are we where we need to be to go where God's wanting to take us next? He expects us to be holy as he is holy. First 1 Peter 1.16. To separate from the unclean or the unholy things. See, the Lord doesn't do wonders with contaminated people. And I'm just saying, you could say I'm wrong. I think that's the problem of the American church. We've got too much contamination in the church. And it all starts with each of us as individuals. If each one of us cleans up in the church, what would God do next in America that we haven't seen before? Is there a hope for a revival again? Is there hope for an awakening in a post-Christian culture again? That'll all be determined whether or not God's people are in the place that he wants them to be. Consecration means we're being a living sacrifice. As Romans 12.1 says, present yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Paul admonished us in 2 Corinthians 6.17. Come out among them and be separate. You see, we can't cross the Jordan without our life being concentrated before God. If we don't give ourselves to him, how can we know what his way is? How can he lead us? The greatest issue in us, consecrating, is denying self. It's having like the heart of Paul. No longer I, but Christ. What would happen tomorrow if every Christian got up and said today, it's no longer I, but Christ. Remember, as you probably have seen in Revelation, the church of Laodicea was a lukewarm church. And the Lord said, I'd rather be hot as fire or cold as ice water. But you're lukewarm. And because you're lukewarm, all you want to make me do is vomit. My hope and prayer for East Shore is, as you step into 51, you get a fire. Because if you get a fire, you'll spread a fire. And if you spread a fire, there's no telling how far it will go. And that fire could go a long ways even around this world. But it all starts with no longer I, but Christ. Consecrate yourselves because tomorrow, 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 God's going to do wonders among you. Wow. I can get excited about that. I want to see God do wonders. I want to see a day where a blind woman is prayed over in the name of Jesus, and she please, the name of Jesus, and then she's got sight. He said, well, I'm not sure I believe that. Maybe I wouldn't have believed it either if I didn't believe in the man of God who told me. And I know he's not a guy who would steer me wrong or say something different. We've got to give away ourselves we got to consecrate ourselves to cross over. The third thing I want us to see is we need to cross with obedience. In Scripture, God always uses a leader to lead his people to do what he desires for them to do next. Look at verse 7. The Lord spoke to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you. He's talking to Joshua now in the sight of all Israel. So they will know that I will be with you just as I was with Moses. So command the priest... Carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the edge of the water, stand in the Jordan. And those priests had to have a lot of faith. Think about that. What if we pulled out eight, ten, or 12 of you and said, guess what? The Susquehanna's raging. Now you grab this box. You're going to be the first one in the water. Change the story real quick, wouldn't it? Hmm. In verse 9, then Joshua told the Israelites, come closer and listen to the words of the Lord. So now he's talking to the people of Israel. He said, verse 10, you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly dispossess before you the Canaanites, the Hethites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gergesites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. When the ark of the covenant of the Lord of the whole earth goes ahead of you into the Jordan, now choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, and I'm going to explain that in a minute. One from each tribe. And when the feet of the priest who carried the ark of the Lord, the Lord of the whole earth, come to rest in the Jordan's water, its water will be cut off. The water flowing downstream will stand up in a mass. You see, right here, God is saying and showing us the leader oftentimes is the deliverer of the command of God. You got to have a leader. And God is going to position you in the future with a leader that you'll need to trust. A leader who's going to be listening to the heart of God. A leader that's going to say, let's go someplace we haven't gone before. Let's do this that we've never tried. Let's step out. Let's change this. Because in changing this, it'll help us reach more people for Christ than we've ever reached before. And you're going to need, like these people had to follow their leader, you're going to have to trust God enough that he's put the man of God in place to where when he says do something because God has said this is what you need to do according to the word of God, you go. Because the leader must deliver the command as it's been given by God. You see that in verse 9. Listen to the words of the Lord your God. Joshua didn't say, listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to Barry. Listen to John. Let's go to the Susquehanna and let's go through. No, you listen to the words of the Lord your God. God has said, we're going to do this. And they did. You see, the people of God had to trust and follow their leader. They had to do that. And and you have to do it at times when it comes to crossing into a new journey with God. Folks, if I could say this, and I've shared this with a lot of churches, don't, really, don't let religion be your poison for the next 50 years. But let the relationship that you live in with God each day, striving to be all that you can be in Christ, no longer I, but Christ. Be the catalyst so a fire can burn through you as an individual and as a body to take the next 50 years that's even grander and greater than the previous. Religion has been a poison that is killing the church. Things that we practice and that we do, things that we we hold on to, Many times are a handcuff and a shackle to keep us from moving to where God wants to take us next. Had they had that choice, they would have died in the wilderness just like the previous generation. Don't let the next 50 years die on your watch. Be the men and women of God. That God can use Because you trust and follow him. You trust and follow the leader that he puts before you. You see, it isn't always fun or desirable to be obedient. And we know what can cause a lack of obedience. That's disobedience. When we're disobedient, it's just showing that we're rebellious and that we really distrust God. So always remember that disobedience stems from not trusting God. Cross with obedience. And then the fourth thing is this, verse 14. You have to cross to receive the blessing. When the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carried the Ark of the Covenant ahead of the people. And now the Jordan overflows its banks throughout the harvest season. But as soon as the priests carrying the Ark reached the Jordan, their feet touched the water at its edge, and the water flowing downstream stood still rising up in a mass that extended as far as Adam, a city next to Zarethan, the water flowing down main, downstream into the Sea of Ereba. The Dead Sea was completely cut off, and the people crossed opposite Jericho. The priests carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood firmly on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all of Israel crossed on dry ground until the entire nation, the entire nation, everybody, Had finished crossing the Jordan. You see, to get the blessing, you got to break camp. You can't stay where you are. You got to be willing to take the step to get across the Jordan. You got to be willing to go where God is going. You see, when you break camp, you literally pack up what you have and you leave your current position, your current state. When you're traveling towards a blessing, that's where miracles can happen. Oftentimes, I think I've been asking. I've been asking this for a year. Why are we seeing miracles? Why are there no more miracles? Now, an obvious question would be there's a miracle, or an obvious statement would be there's a miracle every day. But I'm wondering sometimes as just we go through days and weeks and months and years, why, why don't we see the miraculous hand of God doing something amazing among his people? And Even in my life. And I've learned lately that it has a lot to do with me. If I'm not willing to break camp and go from where I've been to follow him to where he's going, I'm not going to see the miraculous. If I can just say I am satisfied, I'm satisfied. I may never see the wonder and the work of God that, that he's wanting to show me, but that he's wanting to do through me and even the people that I'm around. See if I'm not traveling towards God, I'll never see the wonder of God. This is where I'm beginning to leave you with this today. If you don't travel towards God, don't expect to see the wonder of God. If you don't travel with God, don't expect to see the wonder of God. The next 50, may it be said, He's sure. That your desire was to go where God was going, no matter what it looked like, and no matter what the cost was. See, when we're traveling towards the blessing, that's the only place to where the testimony of God's work can be made known. And when you get into chapter four, and I know John's gonna do a great job in unpacking this, you he start hearing the story about these stones. Well, one story about the stones was Joshua was told by God to get 12 guys and they were to get a stone from the midst of the Jordan and carry it over into the dry land and to set up a memorial that will memorialize the fact to future generations that God stopped the Jordan and God's people crossed over on dry land just like back at the Red Sea. So it's a memorial to remember the wonder and the movement and the miraculous of God through his people. My hope for you, if the church is around 50 years from now, that there'll be people who will be able to, not not literally, but figuratively say, Here's a, look at these stones. These stones are here because... Hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of people were saved. These stones are here because we saw a community be transformed and change because we were being the light of the world and the salt of the earth. These stones are here because we sent out missionaries and pastors and people on mission to other places around the world to reach more people for Christ. Christ. The only way you'll have those stones is if you cross over. And then it talks about there's 12, and and I really had to dig here, and maybe John will dig deeper into this. I don't know, better than I do. But some scholars believe, it will mention, I think it is verse 9 of chapter 4, that there were stones left in the midst of the Jordan. And some scholars believe that's a memorial, and it says they're still there till today. That's a memorial of the ones who couldn't cross because of their disobedience in the wilderness. And had they first been obedient to God, they could have inherited the promised land that God had for them. But they left a memorial in the midst of the river. And when the water started again, it just covered those stones never to be seen again. Which would you prefer? for your own life and for the life of your church. The stones that your children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren can see where the wonder and the miraculous of God happened are stones that will never be seen because they were stones of flesh, stones of, of people that didn't want to deny self, stones where they just kept things to themselves and they kept the status quo and they were satisfied which see that'll all be determined about whether or not you as an individual in the church are willing to cross where God's about to take you next and that's why I'm here today I want to celebrate the 50 I do but I'm, I'm this kind of apostolic, prophetic type guy that thinks we can't stay where we are and go with God. When I wake up tomorrow morning, God will be on the move no matter how much I celebrated today or not how much happened good today. And I'm saying, why don't you just stay here a while? You know, hey, God, hey, Jesus, why don't we just tabernacle here a while? I'll build a tent and let's just hang out. No. God wouldn't want you. To, he do not want me to do that. He didn't want you to do that. What he wants us to do is cross in faith. Because you see, every Jordan crossing, every Jordan crossing, is to test and see how much trust and faith we have in God. I love the cross. Because... When I read about the Jordan crossing, I, my mind went to the cross. I realized that my sins, had kept me away from having a relationship with God. There was a barrier. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And a very, if you would believe in him, we'd have everlasting life. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I can go right through because of what Christ did on the cross. It's also a picture of my baptism. When I walked into the waters of baptism, it's no longer I, but Christ He washed. That washing, that cleansing that took place in my heart was that flowing river of the Holy Spirit who came through and just cleaned me to where I could be where God would accept me because of what Christ had did for me. Ladies and gentlemen, Would you think about today what God is asking you to do next? It could be you need to abandon your religious practices and behavior and come to a realization that you need to give your life to Christ. It could be you hadn't hung out here a long time, but you realize today, I need Christ. I need the work of Christ in my life. I need to be saved. You might have been in the church 30, 40, 50 years. But you're realizing, I don't have any wonder. I'm not catching the wonder. I don't see the awe of God. And maybe there's something in me that God's saying, get it out. Get it out. Now. So I can work in and through you. And, church, I hope that this moment comes back in days ahead where your leader will stand up and say, We got to cross over. It's time to break camp. We got to go do this or that. We got to do something we've never done before. And when the, well, what, what, how, what? You just remember God's brought you to the river. And if you'll just put your faith and trust in him, he'll hold back the water and he'll give you everything you need to go through to experience his wonder. That's my hope and prayer for you. So I don't know how God is speaking to your heart right now at this moment, at this time, as you think of the Jordan crossing. But I really believe this. Each and every one of us will go through that. Every church will go through that. The question will be where we are in our relationship with him that will determine whether we'll be able to go across and catch everything that God has for us on the other side. Remember, God's promises many times are on the other side of the river. Not this side. Would you pray with me? As our worship team comes. Father, I just want to thank you this morning that your word is so true. Not only does it testify of truth, but it challenges us with truth. We read and hear stories of old that many times we wonder, what was that like and how could that be? And would God do that again? Father, give us a childlike faith here this morning to believe that as an individual or even as a church body, if you bring us up to a raging river, if we'll just deny ourselves if we'll trust you, if we'll believe by faith that you can, and we're willing to take that step like the priest did with the Ark of the Covenant, with you, your presence in the midst of your people. Lord, may we just believe that wonders and miracles can happen again. And Lord, I pray for this church body I so am thankful that they have a testimony of 50 years. There's a lot of churches that don't even get there today. But you have been faithful and good and true to this body. You've blessed them. I'm sure they would even admit probably beyond what they deserve. But you blessed them. God, I'm asking that you would bless them in the next 50 that as they celebrate this year of jubilee, that they'll find more jubilee as they move forward, just trusting and being obedient to you. So, Lord, whatever you're asking an individual or even the body to do, to break camp and to follow, I pray that you will well that up to a point that determination will explode. Because in that explosion, there will be a people of God moving with you to do perhaps what you've never done before. So God, help us to obey and trust and leave the results to you. And as we do, may you do wonders. May you do your wonders that you're choosing to do, that you're desiring to do in this place, in this community in this area, in this state, in this nation, and even around the world. And I pray and ask this today in Jesus' name. Amen.